Hello and welcome to our continued series here um, at TTRP Theater uh, as we continue to explore the world of cult divinity loss. Tonight is probably one of the most important videos you will check out in the series. Uh, I know it is very important to me and important to our guests and it is player safety in the dark world of cult divinity lost. And I have two individuals uh, who are highly qualified to discuss this, uh, but I will let them this, uh, introduce themselves. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Kiana, also known as Kiana S. on the internet. Um, I am a TTRPG uh, designer and streamer, and I'm also the co-creator of the TTRPG Safety Toolkit, but is now an any-nominated uh, resource uh, all about safety tools and support tools at the table. And hello, um, I am Jacqueline Brick, otherwise known as Jax. Uh, you may have seen my work editing the English edition of Cult. Um, I also wrote two scenarios for Cult, uh, La Sena about the immigrant experience during the Cold War and, and the Rockets Red Glare about being an intern for the Trump campaign and the actual horrors of that. So yeah, um, apart from that, I've also written uh, discussions on safety for several different games, including Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition, Changeling the Lost 2nd Edition, and I've been very inspired by Kiana's toolkit, so uh, I'm really happy to have her here as well. Excellent, and we are too. But before we get into our discussion, let's kind of define some terms and, and stuff like that. So what do we mean by safety in the context of role-playing at the table? I can hop in with this one. Um, so essentially, um, during games, you may come across uh, content or scenarios uh, that are uncomfortable or cross a personal line for you in terms of what's happening. And so safety and support tools are there to help uh, guide uh, what happens when um, you know a player gets hurt or uh, you cross a line or you get close to a line um, and just ensures that everybody's having fun no matter what's happening to their characters. That's a really good way of putting it. Um, uh, Kiana and I both interact with horror games a lot, and something that I think is a huge misconception about safety at the table is that it cannot coexist with a horror game, and that's honestly the farthest thing from the truth. Um, some of the best horror I've ever played has been with very robust and comfortable safety tools, tools that were there to sort of be a net for when you're taking that dive off the ledge. Were you the one who gave the bungee jump analogy, Kiana? Do you yep, want to go ahead me. and share that? Because that's my favorite. Yeah, um, basically um, you can have fun doing something like bungee jumping because you know that you have a rope and a secure system to make sure that you are actually safe, uh, even as you enjoy the risks and thrills of literally falling off of a high place. Um, and so the same idea here is that uh, you can enjoy the risks and thrills of a horror game, uh, but still have uh, that comfort of knowing that you're not going to endanger yourself in any permanent lasting way, uh, and that you can continue having fun after it. Um, and it's not a detrimental thing to your well-being. <laughs> With the TTRPG, TTRPG industry kind of changing so much within like the last decade, uh, and obviously this conversation is becoming more and more important, uh, what kind of um, safety tools have people and, and you have been uh, employing uh, throughout uh, the last couple of years, and where do you think safety is going in the future for, for TTRPGs? 
the, the short answer is there are so many, it is kind of ridiculous. Um, there's actually the reason why uh, the TGIBG Safety Toolkit was created, uh, which because um, there was no central place to go look for uh, safety and support tools. Um, there, the whole thing is that there's been discussions around safety and support in games for many, 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 many years. Uh, uh, decades at this point talking about how do we uh, make sure that people are still having fun even as we get into intense scenarios and content. Um, and the thing is that um, a lot of these conversations have either happened at conventions, so not in places that they're recorded, or uh, they happen in uh, forums or blog posts uh, that although we think the internet is a permanent place, um, and to some extent it is, um, it does mean that things can be deleted and things can get mm -hmm. lost in, uh, in dead websites or uh, buried under threads or the such or locked away in communities. Um, and so the toolkit was created as a place uh, where to collect all that information and bring them all together. Uh, and as I was developing it with my uh, co-creator, uh, Lauren Bryant Monk, um, we were kind of, as we were starting to put up, you know, quick guides and like uh, summaries on some basic tools that we knew and that we used at our own games, uh, we would get almost continually we would get like oh what about this tool hey i use this one do you want to add this one in too and we're like sure oh god there's like so um so uh i have i've used a lot of them um in my own tables uh the ones that i use the most uh include the x and an o cards which actually the toolkit has their own uh x and an o cards i ran out of the n ones because uh mm. we use these also as our business cards uh, oh, yeah. um, so people can take them home and use them uh, and also have a link to the kit. Uh, I also do Lines and Veils, I use Stars and Wishes. Uh, I've also used uh, the uh, Brebo's uh, script change, uh, which mm. is essentially uh, basically using like a, a pause or a play button or fast forward, rewind, uh, recontextualizing them the same way that you would interact with a movie. Uh, yeah, there's just, there's so many of these. Uh, and like I said, we've had decades of this conversation, uh, but um, ever since, uh, you know, the toolkit has come out around the same time that a lot of these conversations have started to evolve uh, beyond should we have them and more to how can we continue to use them? How can we make them easier for people to use? Mm -hmm. How do we uh, build them in more organically uh, within a game? So not like a band-aid on top solution, like not a, it's not an add-on, it's a feature yeah. uh, of games. Um, so I think we're, we're really kind of, even just within the lifespan of the toolkit, which uh, came about uh, a year ago at this point, um, Seems like so much longer. Convers it feels like so much longer. <laughs> but uh, the conversation within that one year alone has changed so much um, where, you know, a lot of the early stuff was just teaching people uh, what safety tools are and which ones were available. And now we're evolving into a conversation um, and we're, we're retooling a lot of the stuff in the toolkit towards how do you put these into your own games uh, when mm -hmm. you're a designer? Uh, how do you put them into uh, practice uh, as a uh, play culture and not just uh, in your individual tables? Uh, yeah. And so I think we're just going to continue seeing that development in the conversation, um, especially as we get past that, yes, we should have safety and support baseline Okay, yeah. we find, we, we're kind of finally getting there as an industry. Now we can start yeah. really delving into it on a more interesting, nuanced level. And I know we're still kind of struggling with that conversation in the cult community because it goes back to the whole thing of, well, if you're running a horror game, then you shouldn't feel safe. And 
I have opinions on that. Um, but like, even I, like I've been studying safety tools for the past two years and Kiana um, brought up last time we talked, uh, cause we shared a panel together at Onyx PathCon and that was awesome but brought up Stars and Wishes, which is one I hadn't heard of before. And I was very excited because learning new safety tools and learning new ways of communicating with people is super fun for me because as a, as a safety rule designer, it's very, it's very easy for people to think of you as like, oh, well, you're not really writing tabletop rules. You're just writing the rules for interacting with the tabletop, which is not in a lot of ways meaningfully different. And Ken also brought up a really good point about the Band-Aid because um, safety designers get a lot of questions like, well, what safety tools should I use at my table? Like, what are the safety tools that I need to have? And I don't know. Who's we at your can't table? tell you what unless you we playing? know your table. Like, yeah. you know, we can't, we can't do that type of yeah. work mm-hmm. for you because we don't know what your table is we don't know what your game is we don't know what your play culture is uh, like cult yeah. actually cult actually has its own intrinsic um safety rule which is the horror contract which is very similar to you know things like shanna germain's consent checklist mm-hmm. um but that is the one in cult was specifically built for cult and it's which of the themes in this game are you okay with addressing? Because Cult has some very, very, very touchy themes. Like, oh, is this insanity? Or are you actually seeing through the illusion? And like those of us who have mental illness and are neurodiverse, you're like, what do you mean by insanity? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there there's an entire sphere of magic dedicated to sexuality and passion. And that can always be super touchy. Uh, we were talking about Bluebeard's Bride at one point and how it is difficult but rewarding to run a game about sexual horror, but it's so rewarding. <laughs> it, like, if you have the sort of structure at your table where people can have that conversation about, hey, you know, I'm uncomfortable with my character being gang raped, but I really want to have my character have an experience with assault that will actually create a trauma or something that they have to work through, or that is part of their story, then that is something you can discuss with your table and your GM, but you have to be honest about it because that's not something you can just spring on a table, right? I was editing a scenario for Alex Obernig, uh, who is wonderful. He's one of uh, the cult developers. And the idea behind the scenario is that, you know, you are three people who are trying to fulfill this woman's abduction fantasy basically met her on FetLife you know here's the signal here's the agreed time they grab the wrong person now everybody's collective trauma because oh god what have I done and oh god who are these people yeah is now has now you know shot them beyond the illusion and into Metropolis where they now have to deal with the fact that they are being hunted by monsters and also maybe they're the monsters themselves. And something he wrote in the scenario originally was, oh, she doesn't remember being assaulted. She just remembers that she's mad at the men. And I'm like, no, no, you are you are actually taking away from the gravity of this scenario and making it less safe. Mm-hmm. Because now instead of making it about the horror of miscommunication and 
you know, the need to apologize and the need to make restitution and the need to be gentle and kind and compassionate with each other in order to finish the scenario, you just made the rape, well, the attempted rape, attempted accidental rape. That's a really hard thing to talk about, but um, you've made this event into just, oh, look, it's spooky, and then it opened the portal to Metropolis, and now the real story happens, and it it makes it both cheap and unsafe. Yeah, yeah I, I think it does. I, I think the kind of, um, with the, the free discussion at your table about safety and what everyone's comfortable with allows you kind of like, uh, Kana said that, you know, you're allowed to jump over with that bungee cord. Yeah. Uh, cause otherwise you're just kind of jumping and you don't know what will happen. And it, it just lets you take that, that leap where you would normally be like, no, that's, that might be too much of a drop. The whole thing with being able to establish um, a safety and support system and uh, making sure that you have consent from everybody as to what exactly you're exploring is that it means you know exactly, if you know exactly what not to touch, you know exactly what you're going to go super freaking hard on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, like going back to Bluebeard's Bride, um, I, I run that a lot as a, as a GM. Um, and again, that game covers a lot of uh, yeah. covers horror, and so a lot of its tenets include like uh, body image or motherhood or uh, sexuality uh, and uh, shaming and also nymphomania um, and religion and all these very intense subjects. Um, and sometimes people are just going to be like, no, nah, I don't really want to delve into sexual assault in this game. Like, that's yeah. cool. Um, that means that if you give me the, if you tell me what I'm not a what's a red a no then i know exactly what's a yes and i know okay then i'm just gonna go really hard on the body horror aspect and now you're just gonna be chased around by a uh a skin suit without a body that wants to take your body down and drown you in the bathtub yeah have fun um and that's the whole point of experience horror in any media is that you can opt out of it and you can you you have control uh, it's a it's a willing uh, loss of control in some way you're you're saying i'm okay with losing agency as a player mm-hmm. and a character to know what's going to happen uh, or to be put into uh, dangerous scenarios uh, but i i gave consent to yeah. be there uh, the same way that you know you watch a, a scary movie uh, you can pause it like there's that part of you that's can be very immersed in what's happening and really freaked out, but there is the safety of being able to go, mm, nope, I'm good, I'm gonna stop that. Well, even before then, uh, knowing what the ratings are or what uh, the general content's gonna be. Like, I'm personally, uh, I don't really like super gore. Um, mm. Not really my thing. Uh, I don't like extended torture scenes. Um, don't like that as a general thing. I'm totally cool with psychological horror. Like, make me question the reality of the situation. And so if I'm looking at a horror movie uh, and I can see the, the uh, warnings and be like, oh, this is not for me. That's okay. I'm going to put that down. I'm going to pick up this other movie that t- yeah. taps into the type of horror that I want to experience uh, because I consent to having that type of uh, scary yeah. moment uh, and not the other type yeah. uh 
Yeah, and so that's exactly what these are. And um, I touched upon this in, in previous conversations, uh, but there's always this idea that safety and support tools are an interruptive thing uh, to the mm -hmm. moment. Um, that, you know, if I, if I put up an X card, for example, and we stop play to retcon what should happen, uh, that it breaks the moment. Um, upon which I say that the moment is a bullshit notion um, because it's something that we can always come back to um, yeah. and that you you created the moment right you created that moment and then you realize the moment's not working for us let's go back change it and then we have the power to bring it back there uh, there is the same way that you can pause a movie you can pause a game you can stop reading a book but still come back to it and still be as immersed as you were before yeah especially with tabletop gaming where you're doing your literal creative imagination space with everybody like there is nothing wrong with stopping the flow if it means that you get a better experience in the end. I actually really want to build off that because my favorite phrase is very cult appropriate, which is immersion is a false god. We hold up this ideal of perfect immersion in gaming, whether it's tabletop gaming or LARP, or even video games to some extent. And this idea that we have to be immersed and it has to be dangerous and it has to challenge us in ways that we're uncomfortable with, it doesn't because it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable, even if it's like the sort of game that you want to leave you sort of shaken and maybe even crying at the end of it. It mm -hmm. should be an experience that you looked back on with some amount of fondness, yeah. right? And safety rules really help us create that space. Yeah, and I think there's another notion that I want to tackle here is that there's a difference between comfort and safety. Um, yeah. And I, this has been a, especially with the recent events now where yeah. things that are uncomfortable for yeah. us are actually safer for everybody as a whole um looking at you know general world events mm -hmm. of everything going on um just is that, vaguely at everything yeah yeah the, <laughs> um, the, the fire that is the world yeah um but generally speaking things can be uncomfortable for you but still be safe um, and really the difference there is that um what are the lasting impacts uh and is it harmful uh, discomfort is generally not a harmful thing unless you're prolonging it, um, yeah. upon which then it gets into unsafe territories. Uh, think about this. Particularly the, acute. Yeah. Uh, think about the way that uh, you might injure yourself or you might, you know, sleep funny. Uh, that's uncomfortable, uh, but it usually goes away uh, after uh, you wake up. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, but something that's unsafe would be, oh, I sleep on a bunk bed, but there's no railing and I'm just going to yeah. fall off of it. And that will, if I fall, I'm going to break my arm. Those are two different things. Right. And the or same something. Thing, or, oh, go ahead. Sorry yeah. to cut in or something that could be unsafe, even with if you're sleeping funny and you get like the twitchies in your, mm -hmm. you know, your arm like I do. And you're working with, I don't know, a soldering kit or an exacto knife without protection after you sleep funny, then the discomfort becomes harm. Yeah. Yeah. And so there has to be a knowledge of what, of there is a difference between that. So saying that you want to make a place safe doesn't mean that you remove all discomfort. Yep. Um, it just means that you prevent harm. Uh, and when it comes to games, it means, you know, preventing lasting harm uh, towards uh, emotionally or psychologically, uh, really for your players. Uh, characters can have whatever happened to them. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as the players are cool with it, that doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is that you can challenge somebody's comfort as a player, uh, kind of toe that and see, you know, I, 
like cult or any other horror game, you're towing yeah. with some pretty uncomfortable subjects, uh, and you are going to make players uncomfortable because that's the point. Uh, but you shouldn't make them unsafe to get to that point. Yeah. Uh, if you're doing it right, you should be hitting discomfort first, and then you'd be able to stop there without going further. Um, yeah. And you have to you have to really think about what that means, right, and what that looks like in your gaming. Yeah. Uh, like with the scenario I talked about earlier, um, something I was really proud of for Alex for writing is that you don't, you get to the point of kidnapping the unintended victim, but it never goes past that because that's when you all fall into the city beyond the illusion and everything starts going wrong. But the fact that he is very upfront about, hey, this scenario is going to involve accidental sexual assault is something that makes it easier to say no this isn't for me i don't want to you know grapple with the discomfort of being that sort of person and that can be a really interesting story to explore this idea of oh god i thought this person wanted this and now they don't yeah and like as a survivor i've been on both sides of that equation and it sucks um but it's a really interesting and meaty thing to explore through games especially through horror games a good horror game should make you uncomfortable, but in a way you want to be made uncomfortable, I think. Because uh, it's very easy to stack different discomforts on top of each other. Like, um, in past conversations, we were talking with Steffi Devan, who is a developer for Onyx Path. Mm -hmm. Her big thing is no sharks. Like She can't do sharks in games unless she's really feeling it. And like, maybe you get a game where she's really feeling it and there's sharks, but then her character, you know, gets tied up. And then maybe her character gets interrogated and now there's sharks and, you know, restraints and interrogation and loss of player agency. And that's when it becomes less uncomfortable and more actually dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, and in that scenario, uh, what a safety tool can do is uh, adjust the consent mm -hmm. that was given before, um, which is a huge part of this too, is that yeah. um, you can consent to something and withdraw that layer. That is totally okay, uh, yeah. because you made a decision based on certain circumstances, um, which is, you know, where you were at mentally at the time, uh, what information you were given about the scenario or whatever else. Um, and your fellow players, uh, and you made a decision at that moment, uh, but those different factors can change, um, and your informed decision may also then change. Uh, that's the same, again, with any dangerous thing physically. Yeah. Um, or mentally, you can, or You can go all or... the way up to, you can say, I really wanna go bungee jumping, and you go all the way up to uh, the bungee jumping spot, you get all suited up, and then you look over the edge, and you know, the ride up with the, ramping anxiety, uh, or maybe some people were making some crude jokes uh, about something, or maybe you were reading uh, a story about a, a freak bungee jumping accident, and you get up there and you look at the height, which all before was totally okay because you didn't have those other ramping uh, thoughts, uh, and suddenly you're not okay with it, and a good bungee jumping place would be like, that's totally cool. Like, well, you don't have to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> bad one would shove you over the edge and you don't want to be that person shoving someone off the edge that's would be a terrible thing to do as a general human being 
uh, but especially uh, in scenarios like TTRPGs where you have to trust each other uh, and you're, you have a contract of trust with each other in order to build a scenario and play a game uh, and you're breaking that trust by doing something like that. Yeah. There's this whole thing about, uh, oh, but if I, if I give content warnings or if, I, if my players explicitly tell me what they're okay or not okay with, they're not going to be surprised by what happens. And that's bullshit. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, surprising players um, is a difference between shocking players. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two different things. Um, surprise because uh, someone can know something's happening, but if they don't know when it'll happen, it's still a surprise. Uh, but they're still mentally prepared for yeah. that thing to happen. Um, so, and also it can even add to the anticipation. Like for example, if you play a jump scare game, uh, like a video game, you know something's gonna pop out. <laughs> you know it's gonna pop out sometime, but you don't know when, and that's what adds to the terror. Yeah. Uh, and that's, again, you buy into that at the beginning when you see, oh, it's a jump scare game, okay, I know what I'm... But shocking your players is a totally another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, shock means that you're, again, you're going from discomfort to harm. Uh, you're you're pushing past a boundary. You should not have shocked players. Um, they should be surprised, maybe, um, but you shouldn't have them go, I didn't see that coming from anywhere. Not even go just for storytelling in general. Like if you're laying down your foundation correctly, your player yeah. should be able to go, oh, dang, like when something happens and they go, I now see looking back, oh, I should have seen that coming. I can't believe that came out. and. I was expecting that, um, but really, subconsciously, you were still building that foundation for yeah. them to expect it and to anticipate it, and therefore have a nice payoff. Um, but if they're sti- if they're sitting there looking like they're in complete disbelief, uh, or they're looking like they're uh, like you just slapped them in the face uh, with something, that's not a good reaction, and you shouldn't really be aiming for that. Aim for surprise, not shock. Uh, <laughs> Those are two two very different things uh, in a game experience. Um, to go a little farther on that, I've also uh, heard uh, suspense added into that, where suspense is where you know something specific is going to happen. Like, you know, the, the classic example is, you know there's a bomb under the table, but the characters don't know there's a bomb under the table. So as an audience, you're going, oh my god, get the bomb <laughs> under the table! Uh, whereas, you know, surprise might be you as a player knew that something explosive was going to happen or one of your characters had an explosive specialty or something. Or maybe they knew there was a bomb, they just didn't know it was under that table. Yeah. The players didn't know. And then shock is where, why is there a bomb under the table that hasn't come up in any of the rest of the Where, what? I, I guess the best example I can give for Kiana's don't shock is don't be the producers of the Game of Thrones TV show. <laughs> because they kept trying to push for that, oh, they're never going to see this coming. And like after a while, that A, gets stale, and B, feels really unsafe because it feels like your GM is always trying to betray you almost. Mm-hmm. And it it's fine once or twice, but if you like keep yanking the rug out from under them and not playing to the strengths that they're giving you and not you know, playing with them instead of playing at them, that's a recipe for a really unsafe game. So, um, 
obviously the the kind of um conversation about safety and, and mechanics and stuff like that has been ongoing um so i want to ask uh on the internet of course we all have been there uh and i can see the excitement uh for the I'm, re I'm ready i'm ready um uh as an example you're talking about safety mechanics and someone comments i don't need this in my game what's all this uh what do they call it social justice warrior uh in, in like big quotations etc etc what are your responses i have a specifically cult story about this and i'm very excited because <laughs> i have a twitter thread that talks specifically about this um and it's awesome so once upon a time, Shadow Germain's, uh, really, Monty Cook Gaming's Consented Gaming, mostly spearheaded by Shannon Germain, mm -hmm. uh, came out, and the internet exploded. Because, oh my god, it is this non-indie company specifically publishing a free, uh, a free safety design kit. Yeah. And I think it was mostly for more like D&D-ish games. Um, I read it once or twice. It's very good. Uh, mm -hmm. It's If you're going to use it, I recommend combining it with Kiana's Toolkit because Kiana's Toolkit is a little less 101 mm -hmm. um, and covers a lot a lot more depth, I think. Um, but that is not to badmouth Shenna Germain because she is wonderful. Yeah. Um, so predict perhaps predictably... <laughs> the cult fan groups that I am a part of as a writer and a fan of cult exploded. And people were flipping out like, oh, you can't add this to cult. This is going to ruin my cult games. You know, this is this is going to um, take the teeth out of what is supposed to be, a, you know, an X-rated horror game. How could you do this? Like taking it as this very personal betrayal. And the mods started banning most discussion of this, which honestly I kind of agree with because it wasn't going anywhere good. And then someone decided to post his own version of Consent in Gaming. And I read it. And I was like, what's... This is interesting. Because one of the things he wrote was, here are some ways to scare your players. You know, here are some things you should put in for really, you know, impact. Haunted castles piles of dead babies. These are things he's like, oh, you should specifically allow these in your game, because, you know... Very like, specific. Yeah, and I'm like, do you... Wait, hold on. You're saying that this is your non-SJW version of Contestant Gaming. Do you think that Shannon Germain was trying to take away your haunted castles and piles of dead babies? And he went on this tangent, which is not really worth repeating here, but it basically boiled down to, yes, the mean ladies are trying to take away my haunted castles and dead babies. And this was a thunderbolt moment for me because as a neurodiverse nerd, mm -hmm. as you could see me sort of ADHDing around the screen here, um, I have had to struggle with what are referred to as the geek social fallacies a lot. You can look these up. Um, they're pretty easy to find. There's five of them. And uh, two of them are friends accept me as I am and ostracizers are evil. These are very toxic when combined with each other because friends accept me as I am basically boils down to you can never tell me no or you're a bad friend and you're not actually my friend. Mm -hmm. And ostracizers are evil 
is, well, if you're not actually my friend, then you must be the bad guy. And it's sort of smashed together because it's this idea that if somebody says, I want to play a safe game, what they're saying is, you're trying to take away my creativity because you're telling me that I can't do certain things. And if I can't do certain things, that means you must not really be my friend. Yeah. And I could also I could get into sort of how like rape culture and mental illness and child abuse could be as real as haunted castles and piles of dead babies to these men. And I do in the Twitter thread. Um but like just the idea of people saying no to you, meaning that you are never allowed to do a thing again, is a terrifying place to live. I don't want to live in that place. Yeah. I don't think any of us want to live in that place. And I think part of, part of uh, including safety rules in game, talking about safety rules in games, um, you know, engaging with things in a safe and enjoyable, maybe not fun, safe and enjoyable manner is just as much about learning how to say no and take that gracefully as learning how to say yes and learning that neither of those are the end of the world. So that's something I talk about a lot is how real are these things you're talking about to you and how real are they to everybody else at your table? Yeah, um, I think um, so ever since I published the very, very first uh, guide to uh, TTRPG tools for streamers. That was the very first iteration of this toolkit uh, back in September of 2018. Um, I have had many, many angry people uh, decide that yelling at the 20-year-old the about uh, how dare you do this to me uh, it was a productive thing. And um, <laughs> you're a lot of my I'm 22 now, turning 23. But uh, I feel old now. <laughs> I do too. You're sorry. Can, I can do you this change? a lot. Let, let, let's redo that. Say you're 30. Um, <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> I'm, can I just say that I'm really proud of you? Oh, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Wow. <laughs> you're a fucking badass. Thank you. <laughs> um, Amazing. I wish I was that badass at 22. I know, right? Like, I was just like... Ah. <laughs> Like, I'm only 27, and I'm like, wow, I'm so far behind on this. I'm 30, and I just got the courage to dye my hair. I'm so proud of you. Good job. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go go ahead. ahead. saying about people shouting at the 20-year-old. My response is very a lot upon what, the what they're saying, uh, because there are a certain level of people where you're just not going to get... Yeah. any productive conversation out of them those are the people who are like fuck you and you're terrible shit you're awful look at this baby and i'm just like okay that's that's a mute at a block we're not gonna engage with that that's not nothing's gonna come out of that um but then there are other very answers and responses um which are legitimate uh in many ways um one of the ones that i see most often is um why do i need to use this why don't you just talk to your players um and so the way that I usually approach that is saying that, well, um, be able to talk to your players and have honest conversations with them, that's, that's table safety right there. Um, having that ability to have a conversation about what's okay and not okay, that's the whole basis of what 
we're talking about here is uh, safety and support tools are just great shorthands for what can be a very difficult conversation to have uh, because um, oftentimes it feels very confrontational uh, because we're human beings we don't like being confrontational and interrupting the status quo uh, and in a gaming situation the status quo is what's happening in the game uh, interrupting would be going hey you know what I'm not okay with this and that requires a lot of courage and it requires a good environment uh, for you to be able to say that uh, and feel like you will be heard and listened to and have actions enacted upon uh, and if you have that at your table that's awesome that's great um, I'm really happy for you um, but sometimes we just need a way to be able to have a system in place so we all know what to do when something happens um, I th I'm not a sports person but I like using sports metaphors for safety because they're really <laughs> helpful uh, to talk about this. Um, when you're playing, uh, let's say, a soccer game uh -huh. uh, and somebody gets hurt, uh, they're able to communicate that they're able to get hurt by using the, hey, red flag, somebody just got kicked. Um, can we stop? There's a system in place for doing that so that even when they can't communicate why they're, like what the pain is, they can't communicate what they need, there is something in place there already so that people know exactly what to do in that scenario which is you know hey we're going to stop the game we're going to take that injury player off field we're going to uh check them out where if somebody did that on purpose we're going to put them in the box uh goodbye we're not going to play anymore um, yeah. and it's all that's what this is it's just a, a system to make that process easier uh to make that conversation easier to have um, and oftentimes what I find is that, um, and then some people will say, oh, but I've been playing with my group for 10, 15 years. We already know what each other's uh, like boundaries are. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's the whole thing. Do you? Like, did you have that culture in place uh, where you could have that conversation and people could feel open about everything that they're okay and not okay with? Um, or, um, you know, things change over time. People change over time. Uh, and what they're okay and not okay with change from, you know, a yearly basis, a monthly basis, a daily basis sometimes, um, where, you know, what might have been okay for someone at your table five years ago may no longer be okay anymore. I, I see this a lot uh, with parents and new parents uh, where before, you know, things happening to children, eh, I'm okay with that happening again. And then suddenly they become a parent and they go, mm, nope, not anymore. I don't, I really don't want terrible things to happen to children anymore in my games. And, yeah. and especially in groups that happen to get it for a long time, where you think you know each other's boundaries, uh, that's when you're going to be more lax with stuff. And that's when you're going to be kind of like flippant and again, a five to 10 year status quo that you're now gonna have to interrupt to say, hey, you know what, guys, I know that I've been cool with injuries happening to children for the last five years, but you know, I'm not really okay with it right now. And there's this whole peer pressure that happens where you're, you're wondering, oh God, like, what if they think I'm being a baby about it? Like, because I've been okay yeah. with it for, and again, it's the retracting your consent which unfortunately we don't really have a cultured society around being able to retract consent. Um, we could go into that, but yeah. let's just say, we, we just don't have that, right? We don't have a, a culture where we can say no uh, and have that respected if you said yes before. Um, and so that's um, so that's my response for that. It's like, well, you know, that it changes and maybe you should have another 
you should have ongoing conversations uh, with your group. You shouldn't, it shouldn't be a one and done thing. I, it happens a lot with the toolkit, unfortunately, where people think it's the one and done tool, which is not the point of it. Uh, the point of it being a resource for people to use uh, so they can have the discussions and they, it's not just for taking the toolkit and placing it on the table and go, there, my table is safe now. <laughs> I'm like, no, you, you still got to do work here. Like, there's still work yeah. to be done here. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's very difficult to have nuanced conversations on Twitter, unfortunately. And unfortunately, that's also where I spend most of my time. Um, oh, mood. <laughs> um, I've been avoiding Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but it's... You can't avoid Twitter. There's nowhere else to go. Yeah. Um, and it's my major platform. Um, yeah. But it's just... You know, you have to kind of, I have to suss out which people are actually wanting to have a productive conversation and which people are not, uh, and then go from there. Um, just because there are going to be those people who are like, fuck safety, like, fuck you. And um, yeah. I'm never going to try to incorporate player consent. And I'm like, okay, okay. cool. I know that's not a table I want to be at. And I know that's a table most people are not going to want to be at. And we're just going to, we'll leave you to it. Yeah. If you, if there's a certain level where you just have to go, okay, I'm, unfortunately, you might have to learn the bad way how these things might happen, and you may not even learn the lesson. And we just have to start facilitating a, a play culture as a whole industry um, towards a safer, more supportive uh, place where um, player agency and player safety and all that stuff comes before the narrative because stories come and go uh they can last with you forever they can be amazing experiences but stories are stories and people are people uh, she and, was a false god yep and if you should be caring for everybody uh it's the the principle of care is something i talk about in the toolkit that you should care for each other as people first and then everything else comes from that um, and that's the most important thing. And that's at the center of all of this, is that all we want to do is help you make sure that you take care of yourself and take care of other people while playing. Yeah. That's all we're doing here. Because if that can be established, you can have fucking amazing experiences um, and amazing stories that come from it. But if you don't have it, you're not unlocking the full potential of what you could do. Can I be petty for a second? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, so you're talking about the people on Twitter who are like, fuck you, I'm never going to put consent in my game. They always want to fucking tell you. Like, they're like, oh, look how big and bad I am. I don't want to do player consent. I do the real game. Okay. Well, I'm not going to use your safety tool. Okay. And like, they get super fucking mad. You don't pay attention to them. And it's the same sort of, you know, performative... That's self-flagellation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's very much that performative macho-ness you see in a lot of gamer cultures. This idea of, well, I'm gonna make my players cry, or I'm gonna, you know, kick my DM's ass with, you know, this this great thing I have to to break their plot. And it's just this very adversarial, weird culture. Yeah. Yeah. And and the funny thing is, is that you're not being edgy by doing that nope. because currently our culture is not of safety. Like, you're actually being edgier by including safety and support stuff yeah. at your table. <laughs> like, you're not being new or different 
yep. by not including them. You're just continuing on what has been unfortunately the culture for many, many years. You're you're not you're not being a new edgy person here. <laughs> you're, yeah. You're just yeah. being another another voice lost in that void unfortunately from my perspective is is just kind of like that toxic masculinity where uh you know men uh and of course this this affects everyone uh across the spectrum but uh definitely the kind of hold your feelings in don't don't show any sort of compassion or, or care don't you know empathy is regarded as like a, a lesser value uh, and it's so important i mean going back to the sports analogy and i know soccer is well as I do, um, I don't know, name something I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but there is a, there's an expectation and a rule set that says when a player goes down that, you know, the flag is called, people pause the game, uh, and it is dealt with. And that's, you know, no one says, ah, you know, get back up and, and stuff like that. You know, there, there are rules and stuff in, in place to, to take care of someone when they have, when they look like they're injured. Uh, and I think normalizing the safety mechanics is so important because, you know, if you're trying to come up with a new rule on the fly in, in soccer or whatever sport to address someone who's injured, then, you know, you, you kind of are... are Someone's going to get trampled. Yeah, yeah. It's not good. Like, you know, if I'm feeling uncomfortable, I want someone to come up and be like, all right, red flag, let's take a break, et cetera, et cetera. And I want that to be something that I don't have to struggle internally with, like, are people going to laugh at me? Am I ruining the game for everyone? It should just be something that is expected that, hey, if you're feeling uncomfortable, your safety and fun is our top priority. Do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, so it is definitely, you two are very brave uh, for, for going on uh, on Twitter and, and Aww, such, um, especially 20 years. Oh, man. Kiana will but, fucking destroy you on Twitter. I've seen it happen. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I do, it, I do it very nicely. I try to do, and it's painful to watch. You guys are amazing, uh, and thank you for all your work and kind of just helping our hobby become a, a more fun, a safer place, uh, and a more progressive place, and, and awesome and accepting for everyone because uh, that's what the hobby should be. We're just here to play, pretend, and have fun. Uh, or at least have an enjoyable night where we're all broken afterwards. Mm -hmm. But like in, in a fun case, way. Like eating someone's popcorn for the whole yeah, night. There you go. Yeah. But <laughs> if you're if you're excited about uh, more safety rules, I can tell you that in the upcoming cult book, which is currently on Kickstarter, I wrote an essay called Bound, Caged, Abandoned, which is all about using specific kinds of trauma respectfully in your tabletop game. So I cover addiction, I cover imprisonment, I cover war, I cover natural disasters, I cover uh, sexual violence, obviously, I cover abuse, uh, I cover all different sorts of things. And it's um, it ties in really nicely with safety rules because it's not a set of rules itself. Yeah. It's more of a sort of background on why these things could be unsafe to use, but here's also ways to use them safely and thoughtfully. And then you can combine them with safety rules from Kiana's toolkit. And then, you know, you can have a harrowing experience that everyone enjoys. That is awesome. I look forward to that uh, so much. I was so excited when I heard you were writing uh, for it. Um, so, yeah, I think this was a awesome and productive conversation. Uh, why don't you guys each kind of plug whatever you want? And, of course, all of this stuff will be 
down below just under all of us that you can go ahead and click uh and and support these guys in any way you can uh but uh kiana won't you start us off yeah um so this was awesome um and this was a great conversation i always i talk a lot about this stuff so it's always great to have a conversation about this type of stuff with not just me shouting to the void. Um, but in terms of talking about shouting to the void, uh, y'all can find me over on Twitter at Kiana S. It's the best way to figure out what I'm doing. Come on the internet, you know, it's also role-playing things, whether that's streaming or writing or just, again, shouting into the void. Um, I'm the co-producer of Salt Sweet Games, uh, which is a TTRPG channel. Uh, we also do video games and all sorts of other stuff there. Uh, so we can check that out. We use safety tools in every single stream uh, on that. Um, as well, uh, please check out the TTRBG Safety Toolkit um, if you'd like to learn more about safety tools and the wide variety of tools that are out there and in development and all that stuff. Um, you can find that with bit.ly slash TTRBG Safety Toolkit, all, uh, under, uh, all lowercase uh, and one word. Um, it is any nominated, which is mind boggling. Um, so uh, please go check that out. It is a living resource. It's constantly updated by me uh, and my co-creator, Lauren Brank Monk, uh, who I also suggest you check out at twitter.com slash jl underscore nice girl. Uh, she's also amazing doing a lot of this great work and the uh, toolkit would be nothing without her. Uh, so please go check all of that out. Uh, and yeah, and you can also do the hashtag uh, TTRPG Safety Toolkit. That'll also take you to all of our posts and all of our conversations around that. Awesome. Jax? Um, so you can find me on Twitter at uh, Rufflejax. You can find me on Itch.io at Rufflejax. Uh, you can find me on Drive Through RPG as Jacqueline Brick. My last name is spelled B-R-Y-K, not B-Y-R-K, not B-R-I-C-K not B-R-I-K. I've had all of these variations. You will not find my work if you do that. Um, you can find me on my personal website, which will be in the links, which are somewhere. Here. Yes. You can keep me doing the Macarena and that's fine. Um, but uh, you can find me at my website. It's JacquelineBrick.design. It has a whole bunch of cool things I've been on, including this. This will be added once it goes up because I put all of my panels and interviews and stuff on my website. I'm kind of really stoked to be here and I can tell you a cult secret before we go. I'm developing a book for cult. I'm going to be in charge of it. I can't tell you what it is, but what I'm turning in. I can't tell you what it is, <laughs> but so I'm very... I'm very excited because it'll be my first ever uh, book that I have developed and we'll be hiring people before. So I am super stoked. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Curtis. <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, I think we got it. We'll just cut to you being like, I represent Mitchell and he says bye. <laughs> <laughs>